what happens to an eyeball when it gets blood. You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. Stop the rage. Orny? We were attacked by a werewolf. I'm not listening to this. On the moors, we were attacked by a lycanthrope. A werewolf. I was murdered. An unnatural death. And now I walk the earth in limbo until the werewolf's curse is lifted. Shut up. The wolf's bloodline must be severed. Get me back, my Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood. As we continue our look at 1980s werewolf movies, up next, if you like Cops in New York, like that show that plays before Raw, CSI New York, if you like ancient wolves, Native American tribe wolves that's been here for thousands of years who can only see a negative, and if you like our boy, a cop named Dewey, eating a bunch of donuts and having sex with his partner randomly, this is the review for you, brother, because the Retro Blood is talking all about Woofin. Jay Austin, James Klein. What's happening, Allison? How is your how is your eyes today? Are you seeing negative everywhere right now? Yeah, man. I'm seeing like uh the straight thermo whatever that the wolves see in. Yeah. Um that was a cool effect though. And one of the first times it was used in a movie, by the way. Interesting. Yeah, I mean I yeah. could I mean boy, they they so <laughs> Okay, so I got a little story. So, you know, I've made some uh movies and stuff on my own and some like there you have yeah yes some of my you can find one on the uh the youtube channel by the way it's really yeah. quick about like 10 minutes check it out everybody um it's about wolves too so the the filter i've actually used this filter before and it actually is a pretty cool filter like for for like an if, if i have if we have any editors out there it's a pretty cool filter because like once you use it you don't want to like stop using it because of the effect it does it's just so neat even though it does make stuff look a little like i wouldn't say cheap but it just makes it look like you know i don't know just a little bit weird and man boy i, I just imagine that whoever the editor was in this film found this like color panel like how to do the negative color panels like bro i gotta put this in every scene man every scene with this wolf you're getting this negative brother so it's a cool effect yeah, though, but so, it's weird it's but it wasn't weird. a filter when they did it though they used um optical compositing i think yeah is what they called it um but it was the same thing they used for the predator later on yes i mean it's a it's a uh, nice effect and it, and it does its job it's just it's just funny to like I used to get like I wouldn't say shit on, but I, I was getting like a little shit on from using it in some of my stuff. Like, ah, it looks cheap and stuff. I was like, I think it looks cool. Mm-hmm. It looks cool. It looks cool. I mean, like, I, I think that a lot of people just well, I mean, this is the same problem I have about movies in general now, and and people who like horror movies. It's it's everything that's cool, everything that was cool, people think is cheap now and corny and cheesy and cringy or whatever the 20 year olds are saying but it's like but i would rather watch this than like the conjuring or annabelle or any of that bullshit yeah you know like with your cheap i mean talk about cheap i mean cgi effects are fucking cheap i know that's that's the height of cheap right there i mean the cheapest movies uh, cheapest uh, the on-screen 
movies ever made are being made right now. Not what they cost, but what I'm saying is like the way they look, how cheap they look, or the, they're the cheapest movies are being made right now, not in the 1980s. But yeah, that's a rant for a different time that I'm sure I'll make again. Yeah, well, we've we've had the uh, the new age rant here and there on the uh, the retro blood, um, but you know there are some good ones out there. But that's a like I said another another True. time. So we're you know we're True. all about the we're all about the ancient woofing race on this episode yeah. of the retro blood brother. Yeah, this is a this is a uh, interesting one. This movie kind of reminded me of a. It was like a it, it it was like a mixture between a, you know what kind of, so, what am I trying to say here? It's kind of like an X Files episode, but like not has yes. like, <laughs> like longer like like a longer X Files episode in a way, with the with the uh, the two main characters not being as cool as Mulder and Scully. So, oh, I think they're cooler than Mulder and Scully. Hell no, but, Dewey and the fucking then, Rebecca uh, girl. Hell, this fat yeah, Dewey like, guy. I could like, I love Dewey, man. Like Dewey's like, I could totally relate to Dewey. I am basically Dewey. Well, you just wake up, eat donuts, and <laughs> stare at your your cop partner and randomly have sex with her for no reason. For the most part, yeah. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that the uh, I don't know. Like, I think that. Uh, the reason that I picked this was because, it, it, one, I, th- I feel like it's a kind of a forgotten movie that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, and there's a reason for that, and, too. And um, it's also um, not what you think it is. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where, like, it's you actually get, like, not a swerve necessarily, but, like, while they're trying to investigate it, it's 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 not what you – what they think it is – and it's not really what the audience thinks it is either. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a... Actually, I thought this movie was very creative. I'll give him that. Now, it was very long for some reason. Like, we did do a lot of drawn-out scenes we probably didn't need to do. But I yeah. thought the overall story and the... Uh, the the How how they... Uh, the whole overall story and the ending I thought was really good. So, But we'll get into the long review of it. Yeah, so I, yeah I enjoyed we'll talk it. about that at the end. I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty neat. Like I said... It it really reminded me, you know, X Files wasn't you know around at this time. Obviously, they came out later <laughs> in the eighties. But this yeah. reminded me of like a like an X Files mutant episode, you know, like one of their like mutant episodes, monster episodes in a way. Like it could have like yes. really fit in there. So I thought it was I thought it was actually really well done. Um, the only thing I well, the only complaint I really had about it, it was like I didn't realize it was so long, and there was a lot of like drawn out scenes. Like we gotta go. We gotta go in the church. We gotta go out of the church. We gotta go back to the church. We gotta go up the church. We gotta go side to the church. It's like, bro, we get it. So I completely agree with that, but I also can't figure out where I would have cut time at because I feel like you need a certain amount of time for them to be investigating. Uh, Because if it were like ninety minutes, it would just be like, bam, bam, bam. Here's the ending. You know, like because because as long as it takes them to investigate it, you get the feeling of. Well, we don't really know what this thing is. You know what I mean? But it is long. Um, I mean, I could have done without. Long, I could have done without Dewey having sex with Rebecca. I didn't think that was necessary at all. Well, okay, but what was that cut? Like two minutes out of the movie? It cut like maybe five. Remember, he was in his car maybe, randomly. Maybe he was in his car randomly. Like, I get why he was doing it. Like, we'll talk about it. 
Well, yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. Like all the scenes with him sitting in his car outside of her apartment, that, yeah. that could have been cut. You're right. That 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 would have made it considerably shorter. Like if it were cut by ten minutes, it probably would have been significantly faster. Yeah. Or uh, pacier, better pace. Hey, but yeah, we got uh, we the, the, you know we got the pace going for the movie. You know what I mean? Like I said, it wasn't it wasn't bad. Like it wasn't like badly paced. I just you know we could have cut off a couple things here and there. So yeah. Because, like, what the way I was going to, and I'll stop on pace after this, but what I was going to say is, like, it's a similar link to The Exorcist. Their Exorcist might be a little bit longer, but with The Exorcist, you don't get that uh, drug down pace. Like, I feel like it's, it, I feel like this movie drags a little bit, whereas The Exorcist doesn't. So there's some difference in the way those two movies were written. Yeah. But you know what I mean? So, but yeah. But we'll get all into it, brother, because I can't wait to, to uh, dissect this movie. A lot, of, a lot of cool theories in this movie I want to talk about. But mm-hmm. like in every retro blood, we talk about what is going on in the world of professional wrestling and the metal music. The reason we do this is because, you know, so, you know, like our tribe of the retro blood, you know, we, we've been around since the dawn of time. And since yeah. the dawn of time, we don't only talk about the, uh, the the horror movies. We also talk about the metal and the pro wrestling because they kind of go together. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, when you're training these wolfdens, you know, to, to hunt their prey, you got to train them more than just one thing. You know, you can't just train them on the mega. You can train them on the major thing, but they got to have a couple side things to train on too. All right. True. Like, true. like, like how I did that? Okay. Yeah. I also like how you always add a T to Wolfen for some reason. Well, I was thinking about the Wolfen video game. <laughs> okay. Like every All time right. I search on YouTube, that I mean, not, not YouTube, but Google, you know, to, to find some information about this Wolfen, it'd yeah. be the, uh, it, it comes up that video game. That one with the I'm mouth. not familiar with the video game. So the, I, uh, the, um, I think it's called Wolfenstein. And the video game is basically, it's, it takes place during uh, World War II a lot. And it's okay. about the uh, section of Hitler's army that, like, they do like they do like experiments with zombies, all right. And okay. you got this fucking all-American boy, you know, basically like Hulk Hogan, a guy with muscles, okay, going there and shooting dead dead zombies, dead Nazi zombies everywhere. Well, why is it called Wolfenstein? Is there a wolf in it? Well, the Wolfenstein is like the branch or something like that. There's like a branch oh. within the Nazis. I think it's called Wolfenstein. I haven't played the games in a while, okay. so any gamer people out there, you know, don't kill me. <laughs> All right? So it's it's, it's kind of like Doom, but a little different. Yeah, it's basically like Doom, but it actually has a pretty fun story, and most of the games are pretty fun. All, All right. right. And it's, you know, it, they also have like an old, it's kind of like an older franchise, but it's very similar to Doom. Uh, but I, I prefer it more than Doom. I just like it a lot better. It's just like right. a lot of cool guns, I'll, a lot of cool enemies. It's a fun game. I'll take your word for it. I'm I'm only playing Super Mario RPG right now, so that's 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 the extent of my oh yeah my video gaming at the moment. But yeah, yeah, like me, I'm trying to wait for Black Friday to get the Resident Evil Four on sale. Yeah, I'm gonna do that too. I because I, I I always make that mistake and buy all these games when they first come out, but they always go down to twenty dollars or whatever on Black Friday. Exactly. So I always wait to buy a shit Friday. ton of games. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, let's get back on the trace of the tra- the track, everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> we got derailed. We got derailed over there. Talk about these video games. That should be fun. We maybe we'll do that one time for a history segment. Just talk video games that came out that month. Okay. Might as well, you know, gotta change it up here and there. People been saying about that so um 
This movie came out July 24th, 1981. And so, you know, we're, we're in the early start, early, um, early era of the 80s. All right. So this era is pretty interesting. And the first thing I want to bring up is going to be the wrestling side. So, okay. you know, I was debating, like, I tried to go on the Peacock every once in a while to search to see if there's anything happening, you know, that I can watch live. So you can, mm-hmm. I can get, a, you know, we can get a better perspective out of it. Couldn't really find anything on the uh, the Peacock that had this uh, um, this date of July in mind. But um, I did do some research, and I thought this was very fascinating. Uh, what was happening around this period of time in the AWA. So, of course, we, we've talked okay. about the AWA before. It is a Vern Gagne's uh, wrestling promotion. And of course, Vern Gagne is one of the biggest wrestling stars to pretty much bring wrestling into more like a commercialized style, which is weird because he is very traditional type of guy. But he was like one of the first wrestlers to do like movies American wrestlers, by the way, not like, you know, Japanese or Mexican wrestlers. One of the first Americans right. to do like movies, promotions and stuff, commercials and stuff like that. And so at this time, they they in- inquired Hulk Hogan. Okay. So and I think mm-hmm. this area is very fascinating, which we talked a little bit about Hogan's, you know, AWA run before. But I thought this one was very fascinating because around this date of July... This is when Hulk Hogan was in the process of turning babyface in the AWA promotion. Okay? Mm-hmm. So what led up to this was, so Hulk Hogan, he filmed Rocky Three while he was working for Vince McMahon Sr., Vince McMahon's you know, dad. And what happened was, according to Hulk, which, you know, we don't know if that's true well, or not, but yeah. yes. But uh, according to Hawk, is Vince McMahon Senior did not want Hulk Hogan to do that movie because hey, he's like, hey, you're a wrestler, you stay a wrestler, you don't do this movie stuff, okay? Because you know back then it was all about we got to keep these wrestlers and everything in house. You know what I mean? There wasn't like how it is nowadays. You know what I mean? We're all in fucking movies. So, so yes, yeah, right. That wasn't done. Yeah, well, not not under not under Vince McMahon Senior anyway. Like you were saying, Vern Gagne had made a movie already, I think, Well, that he started. Yes, right? but, yes, that he started, but the movie was all about professional wrestling, okay? True, that's a good point. Rocky Three was about boxing and not wrestling at all. So it had nothing right. to do with the bubble of res- pro wrestling in it. It was like a boxing movie. So It also talks about wrestling being fake. Yeah, exactly. Like, cause, cause, well, kind of. So remember, cause Rocky says, um, it, it, like when he picks him up, he's like, this is all fake. Right. Yeah. So like, I'm sure that Vince McMahon senior did not like, did not like, would not have liked that. Exactly. Cause even at this time in the early eighties, people were questioning about this pro wrestling being fake, probably even more nowadays, you know, like even more than they do nowadays. Yeah. You know, nowadays it's kind of like, we all know it. And you know, people are going to like wrestling because of what it is, not what right. you think it might be in your mind you know what i mean so at this point at this point people are all like you know hey they're all questioning if it's you know real or not and of course the wrestlers at this time had to keep the kayfabe of it being real because you know that's how that's just how it was like they they didn't really like expose it yet no so and 
I'll talk about that soon too because there's a really interesting part that comes up. So, so Hulk Hogan, he was basically a heel pretty much his whole career, okay? And like we were saying, like he he got basically got let go from the WWF because of, he made the Rocket movie. So that's why he got picked up from the AWA, and he was still a heel at this time. And it's very interesting to note that when Hulk Hogan came into the AWA as a heel, they did not like Hulk Hogan's promos at the time. Which is crazy to think about nowadays because, you know, Hulk Hogan, I wouldn't say he's like the best promo in the world. But boy, I mean, people, like he had a very, like people know when Hulk Hogan's talking. You know what I mean? Like they they know his voice, they know his shtick, you know? But at this time, he had to have a manager and his manager's name was uh, Johnny, Johnny Valiant was his manager at the time. So, which is not too too crazy around this 80s period because... A lot of wrestlers had managers around the same. Even if they were a good talker, they had managers. So that was just a big thing in the '80s to have a, like a manager. So, so what happened? What had happened was, all right, <laughs> around July. They didn't give me an exact date, so it was a it was a AWA TV taping. Okay, and it happened. It happened in July. It didn't air until August, but I really wanted to talk about it. Because in July, during a television taping, it was the AWA All-Star Wrestling, uh, Hulk Hogan it was turned babyface. So mm-hmm. basically what happened was Hulk Hogan, when he got introduced to the AW very early on, he was like this big giant monster. The dude was like six foot eight, 24 inch pythons, brother. All right, 60 inch chest. All right, just a monster compared to a lot of wrestlers at the time just because how big he was. And they would have him do like squash matches. They would have him face one squash wrestler, you know, one job wrestler. They would have him face two job wrestlers at the same time. And by him beating up these jobbers, like, you know, or one on two or one on three and stuff, Hulk Hogan, the crowd was like, well, we like this guy. You know, he was being positioned as a monster heel, but the crowd was like, hey, you know, we really like this guy because he's a powerful, you know, good looking jack dude. All right. Mm-hmm. Dude, bro, brother. Okay. Dude, bro. So, so what happened? They they figured out right away, like, okay, we probably gotta turn this guy babyface because all the crowns liking him and stuff. So they, they did this match between one of the territory's top heels, which was Crusher Blackwell. Okay, which is basically just like this huge fat dude. Okay, and okay. he was beating up this guy named Brad Rennigans. Okay, and they were having a match and. Brad gives him a belly-to-belly suplex, okay? And uh, Crusher put his foot on the the bottom rope, but the referee didn't see it. So Brad picked up the win. Crusher came in and attacked him, knocked down the referee. A bunch of wrestlers come in. Crusher beats up all those wrestlers and stuff. The bell is going crazy. You know when they used to do that bell gimmick? The ring bell? Where they just ding, 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 yeah. They don't really do that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Nowhere else does that. Yeah, because no one would believe that a bell would stop a wrestler anymore. Yeah, you know, it never like, did anyway. It's like it's, it never did then either. Yeah. So yeah. So then Hulk Hogan comes in, and you get a believe. So they actually had this clip on YouTube. I found this page that like breaks down like the whole Hulk Hogan heel run to his babyface run from like 1981 yeah. to 1983. They kind of like the beginnings of Hulkamaniac, or, or yeah. So uh, uh, Hulkamania. I meant to say, kind of like the beginnings of it. And on this little video clip, 
Hulk Hogan comes in and runs in and starts beating up on the crusher and stuff. And this guy was mm-hmm. wearing fucking neon trunks, neon boots. I could not believe it. <laughs> Roy Osmond, you got to see this. That's great. Bro, this guy was fucking neon. All over. I was like, imagine that was the Hulk Hogan colors. Instead of the, uh, the, uh, the, the red and yellow that we got for so many years, we can have neon Hulk Hogan, brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it kind of, yeah, he had the red and the yellow, but he also did. Uh, he did the white, too. Uh, uh, white and also blue. Yeah, blue, even after he after even after Hulkamania, there's like some matches where he's wearing blue. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, like just like those neon. Like I remember seeing him in those neon colors before he did the red and the yellow, though. Yeah, which was. I mean, he probably cool. did it because of a superstar. You know what I mean? Superstar Billy Graham and stuff. Like he would I'm wear sure like, he those did. bright colors and stuff, and that's where he mimicked a lot of his character from. Was from Superstar, and of course um, Jesse Ventura as well too. So Hulk Hogan comes out. Basically, that's the whole you know thing. He comes out and people give him a big reaction. He saved one of the baby faces, and now he's a full baby face now. And it wouldn't be too much later where he would uh, go on to face uh, Blackwell, and then he would eventually start um, his rival with the uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan's and uh, the Heenan family, uh, the AWA version of the Heenan family, which was Nick Bockwinkel, Ken Patera, and Bobby Duncan. So, like, we talked about this a little before on some of the past Retro Blood episodes, but it's crazy to me to think how much Victor Man Jr. stole from the AWA. Like, he stole so much from this territory. Mm -hmm. Like, Hulk Hogan, Bobby Heenan's family, you know, like, fucking the announcers. You know what I mean? Like, just so much. It was just just crazy how he took... He basically took a lot of the AWA's, like... You know, major stars brought out to his promotion just blew up with it. So that's crazy. But um, I mean, and I'm sure he did that just by offering him more money. Yeah, offering him more money. Yeah. You know, more dates, more more exposure. And you know, to be honest with you, it's probably the best thing to do because you know the the way wrestling was for a lot of these territories and stuff. They're very like in the bubble. You know what I mean? Like this mm-hmm. man actually had a very you know good idea that obviously worked was making, you know, wrestling national and everybody and making these stars bigger than life. You know what I mean? More movie stars than more like, you know, athletes. So that's a that's a that's a long debate we can do on that one. Yeah, um cuz you know, people like like you were saying, I mean, wrestling was different then. So it's not like, you know, if you signed with a company, people were watching you all over the country. And Vince was able to kind of promise that before it existed. Yeah. So, like, I think a lot of people went to that. But um, real quick question about this, though. So, when Hogan turns face here, yeah, is he ever a heel again, or is he, I mean, obviously up, up until the '90s, but is he a face from then on? Even you know, yes, or so okay. It's from here, he, he, this kind of begins his huge rise of Hulkamania in the AWA. Yeah. Cause that's where Hulkamania started was in the AWA. Right. So from right here it started. And I think he brought that over to the WWF. And when he was in the WWF, he was, he came in and has a baby face. So he was basically a baby face from here all the way until the bash of the beach 96, which is right. crazy. Yeah. Think about. Because he was, uh, yeah, because he was, when he was in AWA and then like really early in the WWE or WWF, 
he was called the Incredible Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And then they had to make that deal with Marvel to where they would pay Marvel Comics part of his income, basically, for a certain amount of time. And then they dropped the Incredible part to yeah. get out of that. Yeah, and that was mostly during like this heel run. Yeah. So he would do like, you know, later on in the 70s and stuff, or like the 70s era, he was like a heel to the WWF and into the AWA. But then in the AWA, this is basically when he started to be- develop the whole Hulk-, Hulk Hogan character that we know nowadays. Well, kind of. Into, you know, this is the, the building blocks of the babyface Hulk Hogan. It was basically started from here, from this July period of 1981, which is crazy. So, uh, something I want to talk about too. So, you know, Hulk Hogan, he was getting a lot of fame throughout the, the, the later part of 1981 into 92. You know, obviously challenging Bachwinkle for the world title, their AWA world title. And something I want to bring up, maybe we'll do it in long form one day, is the Hulk Hogan interview on um, Johnny Carson for promoting the uh, Rocky Three movie. And have you ever seen that interview in uh, in full? I don't think so. Um, I need to look that up because that sounds like it'd be really interesting. It is very interesting. I just watched it before we came on here because I was just very curious about it. You know, this one happened, you know, um, June 15th, 1982. So almost a year after this movie and everything. But this interview is so interesting because it is not like the Hulk Hogan we see like nowadays or even the one that was in the WWF. This is like more like a like a quiet, like preserved, you know what I mean? Kind of like down to earth, kind of like Hulk Hogan. It's really interesting to see it. Like if you compare this interview to to the interviews he would have on like Jerry, uh, Jer, what is it? Jay Leno later on in the nineties and stuff like completely different. It's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Where he stays in character. Yeah. So I have seen interviews like that before, but I'm trying to remember which one it was, but there's one where he's like, He's on a talk show promoting something and he's just talking like a normal person. Like he's yeah. like, he's not like, you know, he's not Terry Bollea, but he's not doing the, you know, the brother, brother stuff like he does. Um, and then, but then he, um, um, you know, he's talking like a normal person and then whoever he's in, is interviewing him, like kind of talks about that. And he's like, um, you know, talks about him, like, you know, not being like the Hulk Hogan that we see on TV. And then H- Hogan's like, well, do you want to see that? And he instantly goes into that, like yeah. whole shtick that he does. Um, he goes straight into the gimmick. So like, he can just turn it on and off. It was kind of cool to see actually. Yeah. And then this one was really interesting because this one was his first, it was his first ever, you know, like media interview that he did on this very popular late night show, Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. And this is also his first acting role, too, in Rocky. And during this time, you know, Hulk Hogan, he's talking about going to Japan and wrestling. He's like, Johnny Carson brings up the wrestling being fake. Hulk Hogan has to save it, saying, like, I wish it was scripted. It'd be a lot more easier on me and the body. Like, look at these bite marks I have in my hand, you know? He's like, I wish I could take everybody in this audience and show them for, like, 10 to 15 minutes and make them all believers. <laughs> right. right. Like, it just, it's, just, it's a very fascinating interview, but it's also, like, a very strange interview at the same time. If you watch it with, like, 2020, you know, 2023 eyes, you know? Because <laughs> it's, like, yes. such a different Hulk Hogan than what you even see, like, today. It's just very, very interesting. I thought it was really good, though. It was very, very fascinating 
for a uh, for a pro wrestling because you know when I as a kid when I found about Hulk Hogan he was already he already did the whole '80s thing he already did his old '90s thing. he's already turned to the NWO that's when I figured out who the hell a Hulk Hogan was was seeing like right. the NWO you know ho- Hollywood Hulk Hogan character but it's just very interesting to see here in the 1981 of how this Hulk Hogan was because the you could tell, like, right when he go, leaves the AWA and Vince Man straps a rocket to him, that's when we get the uh, the the bigger-than-life brother, 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 look at these pythons, mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan. I think it started a little bit in the AWA. Like, he was, like, transforming into it. You know what I mean? Getting his all hyped-up, you know, cocaine promos. You know what I mean? <laughs> but we don't, right. we don't really see that until Vince, like, straps a rocket to it. So it's a very interesting watching, like, early Hulk Hogan. If I... I, I, I I recommend everybody out there who hasn't, you know, follows our wrestling part. If you haven't seen early Hulk Hogan promos, go check them out because I'm pretty sure it'll blow your mind. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, they are pretty amazing. I mean, he's Hogan. Like, I, I mean, I've said this before, but like Hogan was definitely more um, had more depth to him than I ever gave him credit for until fairly recently. Yeah, um, you know, like ten years ago, if you'd told me about that, you know you should watch a Hulk Hogan match. I would have laughed at you, but like Hulk Hogan had way more depth than, uh, than, uh, than he, than, than we give him credit yeah. for. And also when he wrestled outside the country, he was a lot more of a versatile wrestler. It's crazy like, I just watched, uh, yeah. 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 If you watch those, you watch those Japan videos of Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I just watched a, a match yeah. from 1983 with him and versus Inoki. Yeah. And Hogan's wearing black, which I've never seen before. But um, and they're cheering him like so he must be face like I guess you could say like he was you know they were throwing uh, streamers at him so he's not it's not like they're hating him but he's like doing drop toe holds and yep. all kinds of stuff yeah there's a lot of good matches out there with Hulk Hogan like in the uh, Japan like mm. just going a hundred miles an hour you know what I mean great wrestling holds yes. like just it just it's just completely different than what you see him like later on so, yeah but yeah you know, the leg drop and that's it yeah. But, you know, I mean, he figured it out, though. You know what I mean? Like, in American wrestling at the time, you didn't need to do all that fancy moves. You know what I mean? So, Japan, you know, when he was going back and forth, really busting his ass, you had to do that style of wrestling. So. Yeah, he, he made a comment recently where he had to have his hip replaced because he's he did too many, he did the leg drop too much over his career. And I'm like, well, maybe if you did a nef- different move every once in a while, you yeah. wouldn't have this problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little tough. Yeah, he's had back and hips, all kinds of replacements. So, but uh, definitely, you know, definitely a fun, interesting, very interesting character to talk about. Very controversial t- character to talk about, but very, very interesting character. And I really like this period of this 1981 AWA Hulk Hogan uh, rise. It's very interesting. Everybody, uh, check uh, check it out. You know, like if y'all interested in the wrestling part that we do, I definitely recommend checking out the 1981 Hulk Hogan rise. And of course. You know, when it comes around the retro blood circle again, we'll talk more about it because I think it's very fascinating. But moving on, brother, from the pro wrestling, I do got a little bit of the uh, the metal music. And I think, Alice, I think you might know a little bit more about this band than I do because mm-hmm. I've heard I have about a little bit of metal too. Okay, cool. So I've heard about this band before. Maybe you can shine some light on them. They seem like they'd be right up your alley. Is one the Blue Oyster Cult? I do, I do know about Blue Oyster Cult. So they released one of their. Yes, I, I, I thought you would because it, it has that that trippy metal. 
And I already call it the. Mm. What, is this sludge? What, what, what kind of metal do you call this? Psychedelic, uh, psychedelic metal? It's kind of psychedelic metal. It, it's it's hard to describe what Blue Oyster Cult sounds like. They were a very unique band. Um, I think they're kind of like. So to me, when I'm trying to, to get. You know, like the, like the band Ghost. Ghost is a very polarizing band in metal because people, especially who came into Ghost later, don't like them because it's not metal, quote unquote, right? But to me, go, like Bullish or Cult is like Ghost. They're, whatever Ghost is is what Bullish or Cult was. It's like it's like they're like an occult band, kind of like uh, you know, like it's a occult music, like not necessarily satanic, but like mystical psychedelic sort of rock music. I don't know. It's yeah. hard to describe what they sound like. They're very unique. Yeah. So this album that they they released in 19 July of 1981 was the album fire of unknown origin. Yes. All right. Has like the dudes in very cult like robes. <laughs> Speaking of cult like stuff. Yes. So apparently this um, album was like kind of like a saving grace for them in a way because after, apparently after a couple, several albums of less, you know, distinguished material and crushable production, they mm-hmm. kind of rallied back in 1981 with like doing some good hits off this album and kind of getting back to a little bit more of their, their psychedelic trends around this time. Yeah, they kind of, um, they were one of those bands that, did really well in the seventies, but when the eighties came, they just kind of, uh, kind of, they were, they were, I think they were kind of looked at as an old band. You know what I mean? Like they weren't, they weren't looked as like a modern band. Like, cause there's just, we've talked about this before, but there's a huge difference between like the 1970s and the 1980s, especially as far as music goes. Um, and fire of unknown origin, that's probably the last good album in my opinion that they've made. Um, but it was produced by uh, Martin Birch, who produced the Iron Maiden records um, and some of the Black Sabbath records. Um, and it has uh, the big the big hit is "Burning for You," which I'm sure you've heard on classic rock radio. Everybody's heard that song. I'm yes. sure that's probably like the other than "Don't Fear the Reaper." "Burning for You" is probably the most listened to um, Blue Oyster Cult song. But it also has Veteran of the Psychic Wars, which is maybe, it's at least one of my favorite uh, Blush or Cult songs. I love Veteran of the Psychic Wars, yeah. which was written with uh, Michael Moorcock, the fantasy author. So he helped write the lyrics for it. But uh, yes, uh, this is a good album. Um, it's definitely um, the last hurrah for Blue Usher Cult, I would say. They, after this, they started becoming like an oldies act almost. Um, and they're still together today. Like the, the two main guys, the two guitar players are still in it, still playing Blue Oyster Cult songs um, with different people in the band. But um, but yeah, um, I actually like this album a lot considering. Yeah. I mean, it's not as good as the 70s material, but I like Fires of Unknown Origin quite a bit. Yeah, it's I got like a great band. cover. Yeah, we got a cool cover, yeah. Yeah, I liked it too. I was listening to some of it. Um, I liked the song After Dark. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, and uh, Joan Crawford. That's yeah. a good song. John Crawford, yeah. Um, yeah, some good stuff. Some, some, I, I, I don't know. Well, I always call this like trippy metal. That's just me, though. Because you know what I mean? You take a little yeah, I, I mean, that's... Take a yeah, little sure, acid. That's, that works. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like yeah, our boy it's, uh, it's, uh, De- uh, Dewey. He he seemed like he would... Uh, 
He would like some blue oyster cult, you know. What I mean, after oh, stuff I guarantee in his face, you. Yeah. Oh, I guarantee you. I guarantee you, he would. Yeah. But yeah, everybody, we'll play a little bit at the end of the show, showing you guys some blue oyster cult. But check them all out. You know, pretty, pretty cool band. You know, still around today. You know, mm-hmm. making their impact happen in the metal scene or the rock and roll scene at this time. But Allison, let's get into some who booked this shit because I got a lot yeah, of questions about this. Woofing. All right. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of questions, I'm sure. Yes. So, Woofing was directed by Michael Widgelet. What is his last name? Mm-hmm. I have no idea how to say that. I would say it Wadley, but that's Wadley. probably not right. <laughs> Michael Wadley. Okay. And it was based on Whitney uh, Streber. Yeah, Whitney Streber's 1978 novel, The Woofing. Yes. All right. Do you know who, are you familiar with Whitley Strieber and who he is? No. Because he's not, he's more famous not for writing books. Because he used to be a famous author during this era. And a lot of his books had been made into movies. But he's more famous because he's the, um, um, he's he's known today as the uh, alien anal probe guy. Because oh, okay. um, he kind of created the concept of that. So he wrote this book in the 80s called Communion. Which is a, supposedly, according to him, is a true story about his, his family had a cabin up in upstate New York. He lived in New York City, but he had they had a cabin somewhere out in the country in upstate New York, and they would go visit it. And then when he would go stay up there, these aliens would come visit him, and he would get abducted by aliens. And um, he wrote a book called Communion about it, which was made into a movie later on with Christopher Walken. Um, it's a really good book. Um, but it kind of ruined his career. So like he was known as like a decent, as a good horror author. And a lot of his movies had been made, books had been made into movies. Um, but writing the book communion basically ruined, ruined his career. Um, like he can't, like he does a podcast now. Um, but he can't like, he, like he was, like he was saying on his podcast recently, he's like, I can't even get uh, you know, I can't even get a book contract. Like I can't even get a book publisher because of all of the alien stuff. But, you know, which is kind of interesting that he did that. And then, um, you know, people say it was just to, to a career move for him, but like it really kind of ruined his career. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he wrote this, he wrote the book for this. Um, and then he, uh, then they made a movie out of it. That's very interesting. <laughs> so yeah, it's also, uh, damn. So he ain't gonna be on Ancient Aliens, huh? Anytime soon? No, he's not <laughs> gonna be on Ancient Aliens. He's going. He's on Modern Day Aliens. There you go. So, uh, so the director, this Michael guy, apparently he is actually best known for doing that uh, documentary about the original Woodstock. Yeah. Nineteen seventy, brother. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So some of the production on it. So the film, like we were saying earlier, was best known for its use of the in-camera effects. To betray the mm-hmm. uh, the point of view, using that thermo thermographic the you know the thermometer whatever it was, whatever they call that yeah. Uh, the technique was later adopted by other horror films such as the Predator film series, like you were saying. So, so some of it you know the uh, the a lot of the scenes were filmed in the South Bronx, all right, and around uh, Boston area as well too. All right. Mm, okay. Yeah. I did not know that. I know that it was a lot of it was filmed um, the Bronx. So, so like the Bronx actually did look like that at the time. Like 
there was in the 70s and the 80s in, in New York City, there was like a huge amount of what they called urban decay where nothing was uh, nothing was ever kept up, you know, like and like all these places was just crime, crime ridden and uh, burnout buildings. So like the other they built that church that they used in the movie for the movie. But those buildings, the Bronx actually did look like that in 1981, which is terrifying to think about if you if you think about that. Like yeah, that was crazy. an actual city and the way it looked. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I was like, man, like it looks like all this. It looks like a fucking wasteland out there. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it it did. Like, and that's why you, they get that stereotype of like, yeah. you know, like uh, about New York City being like this dangerous wasteland, like post-apocalyptic world. Um, cause it actually kind of did look like that at the time. All right. So a ridge also too. So they were saying that the, the actor Dustin Hoffman was interested in mm. portraying the role of Dewey Wilson, but the director Rickleth instead of ins- insisted on Albert Finley doing it. Yeah. I think that was a better choice. I can't imagine Dustin Hoffman as young as he was when this movie was made yeah. fitting into this, this at all. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really a little, little interesting. So, according to your boy Roger Ebert, the film was originally to have been distributed by United Artists, with claims of being over budgeted after being over scheduled. So, Orion Pictures tried to have uh, the director fired. All right, uh, a conscious dispute led to the director being allowed to shoot what he needed before being let go while retraining director credits. While John mm-hmm. D. Hancock will be brought into the su- supervised the ADR sessions after the film got cut down to an acceptable length. Well, how fucking long was this movie? So originally <laughs> it was four and a half hours long. Jesus. That's what I heard anyway. I don't know if that's true. But the original cut was four and a half hours long. Yeah. So I guess the guy who did the cut was Richard Chu, but he was not credited mm-hmm. for his uh, cutting on there. So. Very, very interesting. So, you know, we have... You know, we always hear about that in movies all the time. You know what I mean? You gotta do cuts. It goes over budget. This and this. You know, it's 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 mostly always the same when we hear some of these films, you know, about like how the budget is and how they can keep the budget. But, you know, for this one, I thought they did pretty pretty well of keeping everything uh, pretty co- consistent. You know, but it was a little long when it comes to certain parts of the film. Yeah, and uh, um, apparently, another thing that got him fired was the uh, the Wolfo Vision. Uh, basically, half of the movie is in the Wolfo Vision, and yeah. it was very expensive to do at the time. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Like, if we did a drinking game, <laughs> all the we'd all be drunk halfway through. Fuck, bro, you uh, not not even. I mean, <laughs> goddamn, like it was everywhere in this film. Like I said, whoever, hey, this guy was just like put it every scene, I mean, every other scene. Well, yeah, there. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, that's what happened. He's like, oh, mm-hmm. this looks cool. Let's do it again. Let's do it all the time. Yeah. So something interesting about this film too was it was you know like we say it was released in the theaters July twenty fourth, nineteen eighty one. The film grossed a pretty good amount of money. Uh, was it about like ten million? All right, and yeah, but it cost much more than that to make. Exactly, and apparently it didn't do as well as these other movies did, because in the same genre, this wolf themed. Like we're saying, everybody at the be- beginning of our re- reviews for November, there's a shit ton of werewolf movies in the '80s, brother. They love this theme. So apparently, this one did 
a few months afterwards, the movie that we're going to be doing later on in the future that we debated to do during this review was The Howling. Mm -hmm. That came out in 1981. And the the movie we might be, may or may not be doing, which we probably will be doing, An American Werewolf in London (laughs) was released less than a month after Wolfden. And both of these films managed to outperform this movie at the box office. Yeah, because so. they're both better movies. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean, I love this movie, and I'll be the first person to admit that. Um, but yeah, so we had some uh, stiff competition, competition there, brother. Okay. So, but yeah, but yeah, we you know and, this one's pretty interesting though. So yeah, and one thing I was gonna say too is like there is a like like we were saying before, Whitley Strieber wrote the book that this is based on. Um, I did read the book uh, a long time ago. Um, the book is almost completely different than the movie. Um, it's, it's hardly even the same story. Um, if I remember correctly, there's no native American component in it at all. Um, the wolves are more like werewolves, except they don't turn into humans. Yeah. They're like that all the time and they're not supernatural in any way. They're just like a, in the, in the book, they're just like an offshoot of like, canines like they're just like a wolf like evolution basically um and they have hands um and they can they climb the sides of buildings and open doors and stuff like that so it's it's a it's it's a, i mean it's the same story i guess but it's told in a completely different way interesting. both are good but it's completely different interesting so this movie is also was nominated for four saturn awards mm-hmm. best horror film best director and best actor uh, were some of the awards that it was uh, nominated for. And, Did it not win some of those? Uh, it's to say it was nominated for Saturn Award, including Best okay. Horror Film, Best Director, and Best Actor. It didn't say if it went uh, won or not. Yeah. Okay. So, And apparently, I didn't notice either, but there's a little Easter egg in the movie The Joker. Mm-hmm. All right, that actually has the poster for Wolfman in the back during the uh, the alleyway scene. So I never noticed that at all before, but that's kind of cool. Showing some. I, mean, yes, I saw the Joker once. I didn't really care for it. So I've never watched it again. I like that, man. I like that. Movie. But maybe I'll good. go look for the. Maybe I'll go look for the. Maybe I'll do a Maybe I'll go look for the. Uh, on the Joker. Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. that new one's maybe. coming out with the, your girl. Um, what was her name? The singer. Uh. She was an American Horror Story. God, I can't believe fucking. Oh, uh, Lady Gaga. Yeah, Lady Gaga, brother. Oh, yeah, because I'm a huge Lady Gaga fan. Yeah. So yeah, she's coming back. Harley Quinn, brother. Should be good. Well, that's gonna be fantastic, I'm sure. So if I say we get into everybody, let's get into the full review of the <laughs> Wolfen. Let's right. do it. Get your negative glasses on, brother, because we're going deep. Ryan Pictures presents Wolfen. For centuries, they have been hiding in the rubble of your cities. The concealed threat. The invisible terror. Chris! They can sense the rhythm of your blood. Hear clouds pass overhead. 
see where you are blind. A force so deadly, it will tear the screen from your throat. Wherever you are, they are. Somewhere in the world, every other day, a corporate executive is assassinated. Team her up with Wilson. There's not a trace, not a speck of metal. Nothing softer could have ripped and ravaged like this. Is it an animal? Well, it ain't human. Do you realize how many people disappear without a trace? Something out there might be eating people. Did you hear that? Yeah! Get out of there! What do you think it was? You were being lured. We were being separated. By what? The carnivore. You got yourself some kind of meat eater. Meat eater. Meat eater. Meat eater. Meat eater. All right, so we're here. We're in New York City. All right, and I was having flashbacks from from last month when we're in Jason takes Manhattan. <laughs> I was like, it's like no, there's no way. You know what I mean? Let's do a, the crossover we all didn't know we wanted a couple years later. Wolfen versus Jason. Yeah, Wolfen versus Jason, brother. All right, come on now, we can make it happen. So we see two dudes on top of this bridge, and I thought for sure these guys were part of that Warriors movie. You ever seen that movie, The Warriors? <laughs> yeah, so The Warriors came out about the same time as this. I never thought about that until you mentioned it, but yeah. they look like yeah. they look like two guys from The Warriors. That's That would yeah. be freaking awesome. And I noticed right away, one of them was talking to a bird, and it I don't know what that white substance was that was there. It could have been chalk, but it looked like cocaine. Okay. In his mouth? No, there was like this white shit on like the fucking where they were sitting at like on the part of the they're like on the floor oh no like when they're on top of the bridge yeah, yeah so they're doing bridge. like some kind of like oh, native ritual. american ritual on ah, top gotcha. of the brooklyn bridge um so i'm assuming that's chalk but i don't listen I don't man i got flashbacks from jason takes manhattan with heroin cocaine what are they supposed to think it was well huh. we're definitely going to get cocaine in a couple minutes so. yes that's true so we're seeing a bunch of like these old buildings and i was thinking like man like Weird. It's like until you brought it up, I was like, "Is this like real? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. did they spend all this money on this? Like, just just fucking? It looks like this place got hit by a bomb, all right? But you said yeah, that was no. like real. That's crazy. Yeah. So so I mean, obviously, I don't remember that, but I've spent a lot of like I don't know, like I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I love New York City for some reason. As much yeah. for a person who hates cities, yeah, and humanity in general. Um, I love New York City. I don't know why. So I've spent a lot of time reading about the history of New York City. And yeah, but so basically the Bronx was was basically burned out. Like it was just like burned out buildings, which is weird to think now because all that real estate's worth millions now. But like you could probably buy it then for nearly nothing. Yeah. Um which was our you know, boy. It's just like pile yeah, yeah. Which is what Vander Hoover or whatever that guy's name yeah, is. Yeah, Vanderberg. Doing. Vanderberg, Vanderberg is his name. Vander something. Vanderberg, something like that. Vanderberg, yeah, yeah, some rich guy's name. It sounds like a millionaire's name. Yeah, right? so his name is uh, Chris Vanderberg. <laughs> Chris Vanderberg. But I don't know if I'm gonna fuck up his name too much. We might just call him Chris. But he's doing that gimmick sure. where he's buying up the whole property 
to build yeah. some fucking shopping malls and condos on this shit. Condos and shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So we can see right away there's negative right away. All right. And, I, and when I first saw that, I was like, they're doing that negative gimmick? Interesting. <laughs> you know, because I've never seen this movie or knew anything about it. And the last time, I believe the last time we saw some negative shit on, on the, uh, here on the Retro Blood, I believe it was at that Bloodbeat movie, right? That Christmas yep. movie we did. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way. This is like a high production <laughs> film compared to that fucking shit. I thought they just did it because they didn't have no fucking money. <laughs> Well, so, this was an expensive effect at this time. At this, I know. Like now, yeah. now, literally, I could do this on my Adobe Premiere like super easy now. Yeah, we could do this on yeah. our, our phones now. Yeah, it's pretty probably. crazy. It, it's crazy how technology moves. So, so now we see this Chris guy, and I didn't know what, this was his wife at the time. So I thought he was just in there with a hooker because you know it was a yeah, so did I. But apparently, it's his wife. She she's like passes. She's like passed out. Wakes up, does cocaine, and passes right back out. Yep, and apparently our boy Chris is so rich that he has his own security detail. Like he has like he does like and apparently and, app- <laughs> and apparently these guys don't leave the room. Like they just stay in this security detail like twenty four seven. Apparently, because apparently mm-hmm. like you can be assassinated at any time if you're this guy. Of course, yes. I mean you know once we find out everything he's into, I mean we understand why he has uh, yeah he has his own security yeah. So they're being drive around. We can see the guys from the earlier. They're doing their Indian ritual warrior dudes. They're there and they're kind of like following yep. the the car. And they threw a bottle at it. And then the uh, Vandenberg and his wife, they stop at this landmark that that uh, Vandenberg has. All right, and this is actually the place where they originally got married. And they're just walking around. Uh, the wife's all coked up. You know what I mean? Because they just came back from a party. And she's like staring at yeah, a bunch of stuff. Yeah, they go to Battery Park for some reason. Yeah, because he has a landmark there. He like did some shit there. Oh, right, right. right. That's the place yeah. where they got married. So they're going out there for good old memory's sake, Allison. Okay? That's what you do when you're a 1980s rich billionaire and you have a coked up wife. You bring her to the place you guys got married. With your sure. security uh, with your security guard who knows all about voodoo. Okay. Which we'll find out later. Yes, because he's Haitian. Yes, that's why. <laughs> so they're around. <laughs> so they're around. More negative everywhere, bro. If, I'm, if you guys want to drink to us saying negative, you can. Like I'm not going to stop you. You can. All right, you'll be fucked. Get it up, amounts. You'll be fucked up. You might stop yourself, right. but yeah. So there's negative around because the negative supposed to show the wolf vision, I guess. I guess when wolf, you're a yeah, wolf vision, when you're yeah. a wolf a creature of the night, you see things in negative, which is supposed to be like infrared in a way. I guess. It, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's what it, I think it's supposed to be them being able to see in the dark. Yes, I guess. So eventually, the wolf attacks the bodyguard. Okay, and it goes like it, it's it, it's go it's weird because the wolf will go behind a bench. It'll go underneath the ground. I'll go here. They, it goes everywhere. To try to attack this one, yeah. I guess this, I guess this was trying to show that there's multiple than just one. But at the first, we're led to leave yeah. with just like one wolf. Because so, we don't actually see it, though, right? Yeah, you don't see at it until point. almost the it's, fucking it's end. Just, yeah. Well, that's true. You're right. We don't see this like wolf creature at all until the end. So they attack the bodyguard, take his hand out, and then they eventually attack the uh, they attack the 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 wife. All right, and then they attack Chris. And they've both been all been slaughtered by this creature that we didn't see what it was. Right. 
that was a really cool effect though when it shows a close-up of the bodyguard's hand yeah it's still moving a little bit in it, and it's still and it's still moving yeah when you look at if you freeze frame it and you look at it you can really you can kind of tell how they did it because you can see that the grass around the hand is not part of the ground like you can see where the in high definition you can see where the seam is where the fake grass goes over the top of the hand um so i'm guessing that it's his actual hand put through like a glove of grass and his hand goes out the other side and he just moves it a little bit but uh, it's a cool effect, though. Um, but it also could be an animatronic hand that just looks really good. I'm not. I'm not really 100 percent sure. Yeah, I mean, it looked good. So now this is when we meet our main detective guy. His name is Dewey Wilson. All right, Dewey Wilson. And his main thing is he is. Uh, what kind of cop would he say he is? He's kind of like a realist cop, I guess, or something. I don't know. Kind of very. Uh, well, he's a captain, yeah, but he's captain. he's like a detective. He's like yeah. a, a captain detective. So big. he's like he kind of leads the detectives. But they didn't they talk about him like being on some leave, on a leave of absence before this or something? Yeah, because he's not all. I, I was getting very um. Uh, what's his name? Fuck, everything's escaping me today. I was getting very like the the vibes. You know, on Hannibal, he had that one guy. He didn't have Clarice, but he also had the other guy. The guy. Matt. Oh yeah. Um. Uh. uh the guy from Manhunter. The, yeah. The, yeah, the like, book Manhunter. Yeah. Movie Manhunter. Um. Let me look it up really quick. God, what is that guy's name? Uh, <laughs> if you hadn't asked me that, like that's one of my favorite Manhunter. The Manhunter movie is one of my favorite movies. If you hadn't asked me that, um, I could have told you. Um. It'll get to me in a second. Will 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 Graham. That's right. Will, Will Graham, yeah. And, why, and, and the guy also, strangely enough, um, in the original Manhunter movie, uh, the one that had Will Graham in it, not the, t- the TV show that you're talking about, but the original movie, Yeah. the guy that played Fergie in this movie played uh, the serial killer. Oh, that Strange. is interesting. Yeah. Weird little unrelated or related unnecessary connection there. That's awesome. Yeah, like he was giving me those Will Graham vibes a little bit where he's like not all there. But you could tell, like, he, you know, when it murders and stuff happen, he's really good about figuring stuff out. But he's not, like, all there. He's not, like, the biggest, like, social butterfly kind of guy, you know? Right. We see him eating, like, very bad. He doesn't, he doesn't have a good diet. He has the cop diet where you eat donuts every day. All right? Yeah. They settle his stomach, he says. Yes. So he gets called from the chief. The chief says they found three dead bodies. He needs to get there now. He's like, how am I supposed to get there? We're, you got to fly. got to hurry this okay. up. Okay. I have a problem here. <laughs> so it's not that far from Staten Island to. I think they were joking. That's like. Uh, well, but he it. actually did fly, though. He did? Yeah. Well, he, he shows he, he, him flying on a helicopter. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess you got to get there down there quick because he was. He had like. So there's he, no, there is no way they would fly him from Staten Island to Manhattan on a helicopter. Like, he would just drive it, probably. But. I mean, you could take it on the train in, I don't know, 20 minutes. And the ferry and the train, you could be there. But they, hour, they picked but him up quick because he was still in his pajamas with his coffee <laughs> and his donut. All right? well, they wanted him to get Well, he went quick. out for a run. Remember? He he, he just got finished he running. He wasn't out for a run. He just got out of his building yes, and went to the was. fucking stand. No, he was out running. It showed him running in the park. And then he, he goes, he, 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 uh, he, then his beeper goes off, which I didn't know they had beepers in 1981, but I researched yeah. it and they really did. So, um, but his beeper goes off and he has to call call the, the chief. Yeah. And then he gets the donuts and then they fly him in. I'm pretty sure 
I know there's a helicopter, and I'm pretty sure he's in it. Yeah. But I don't know. Anyway, I thought that was kind of weird, but yeah. Yeah. And he talks about his, his uh, settling stomach donuts and shit. So the big mm-hmm. thing is the chief is meeting with these three suit guys, which one of them is the mayor, and the other one's like an attorney, and I'm not really sure what the other one did. It's like a crime investigator. And they're talking about how important this Chris guy was to the whole community. You know, because they're, yeah, they're not sure. exactly sure what killed him because they didn't find anything missing. Like, they didn't find any money missing. They didn't see any gunshots or anything like that. No ransom note or anything like that. It was just basically their bodies all torn up. And they're kind of like, you know, they're trying to figure out what this could be. And one of them thinks it might be like a terrorist attack, brother. Yeah, they think it might be left-wing terrorists. Yes. So, you know, they also ask, you know, who this Dewey guy is. He's the captain to take care of all this stuff. <clears throat> and this is also, too, when we meet one of the uh, the other characters in our, our story, the coroner, the uh, the guy, uh, Witten, Wittenton. Wittenton, yeah, played by Gregory Hines, yes. who at, the, at this time was more known as a dancer yeah. um, than he was an actor. This is one of his first act- big acting roles. Yeah, they're pretty good, too. So he's there talking about this whole. Uh, he, he's just amazed about the head because the, apparently the, the wife's head, when she got eaten or where she got like attacked, her head got chopped off. And he was talking yeah. about how in the French Revolution, the uh, the the heads would do that. Like they would, they cut off a lot of heads, and every fifteen head would still be alive after a couple minutes. Yeah, which uh, I don't know if that's actually true, but I've heard that before. Yeah, I've heard like if it's cut off, it's like your brain still is active. You can kind of like see yourself die. It's pretty creepy. Yeah. Pretty creepy uh, uh, thing there. And then, of course, they take the bodies away. All right. That was pretty funny, though, that little scene where he was like, when they started to take the girl's body away. Yeah. And he's like, hey, he's he's like, be careful with. And then the, you hear the head fall off. Yeah. Hop, yeah. Like, you can't <laughs> see it. You hear it fall off. And it goes yeah. like, oh, God. If he's I like, drop the, the head. head. Like, yeah. I'm not picking that up. And then up. the other guy's like, <laughs> right? The other guy's like, I'm not picking that up. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> awesome. And then, like, then we go back to the uh, the hospital, right? And I thought this thing was randomly funny, too. Like, there's, like, this random doctor guy. He's like, what happened to this guy? He's got a shot. He's like, oh, you fucking idiot. He's, like, slapping his dead body. He said, you shouldn't be fucking with that bitch. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, like, you should have been, been fucking with that bitch, should you? And then Whittington saying to Dewey, hey, man, there's some crazy stuff going on here because he found a couple interesting stuff about the bodies. All right, so Dewey's sitting there. He ate like a full cookie. He did. Like he didn't chew it or bite it. He just put the full cookie in his mouth and swallowed. Allison, have you ever put a full cookie in your mouth and swallowed? Yeah, I have when I really wanted a cookie. (laughs) You tell me this badass. Okay, anyway. He was fucking running. Anyway, so they're in there, and the big thing—the big thing about this guy, uh, or the big thing about the uh, the investigation, I should say—is yeah. uh, Wittenson. Like, hey, you know, there's you know, there's no metal marks on these bodies because usually, if somebody was stabbing them with like a knife or something, you know, the this infrared camera that we have would leave a trace. It leaves like some metal traces around the bodies, but we didn't see any of that at all. There's like no traces of metal or any anywhere around these bodies. And Dewey's like, "Well, could it be plastic?" And Witten's like, oh, "Plastic yeah. weapon, yeah." I oh, am, yeah, brother. Plastic wouldn't show up on my radar. <laughs> so they're kind of they're kind of come up with theories of what kind of weapon is going to be need to use. So. 
Okay, so now uh, Dewey is going into the talk with the chief about some things. He gets into with the guard for some reason. They, they talk about the, the story of the, the Vanderberg, okay, where his family is, you know, a rich family. And they, they were recapping what, what he was doing, okay? They had this big family party. They were doing some party drugs, like the cocaine, and they were drinking. Yeah. They went to the place, they got married, and then they got slaughtered here, but why? All right. Uh, we don't have, we didn't find any, like, loonies. They call them loonies. Escaping from they the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the insane asylum. And they talked about the guard, Voodoo. He has, like, a Voodoo guy. And then Dewey's like, all right, are we looking into the Voodoo angle? I was like, oh, my God, Voodoo angle. Wait a minute. Is this a zombie? So, yeah. What the- <laughs> Well, because remember they find his ring that yeah. has a pentagram on it. Yeah. And even though I don't, I'm pretty sure this is not a voodoo symbol, but I, I'm not an expert on voodoos, but he, but they find it and he's like, um, and they pull it up and then Wilson's like, um, Dewey's like, oh, it's voodoo. It's a voodoo symbol. And then, um, and then they talk about how like, well, don't, don't they say at this time that it, they think that it could be in, um, like environmental terrorists or yeah. something like that. And then they're like, well, this guy was like, their bodyguard was 300 pounds. And he was, he was, he was a member of the, um, Tonton Makut, which was like, a in Haiti in the eighties and the seventies, they were basically like a, uh, what would you call them? They're like a, um, I would call them a terrorist organization, but they were basically like the people that work for the dictator, Papa Doc Duvalier. He, he, he had this group that they called the Tonton Bakut. And, and if you spoke out against the government, they would basically grab you and you would disappear, whatever you call that. So that's what he was. And then he, after Duvalier fell, he came to the United States to be this guy's bodyguard. Yeah. Um, so, so what they're trying to say is that he's like a, you know, he's a badass that has no problem torturing and killing people. And um, so it would have taken something pretty powerful to take him down. Yeah, and they're also talking about how the uh, the Chris he he didn't have a lot of uh, likers. He didn't have a lot of uh, fans overseas because of all the property and all the shit he did over there by buying up a bunch of property and stuff. So yeah. he said he has a lot of uh, 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 that's the angles they're going to be looking into too. Is looking about overseas attackers on him as well. So now we have, uh, they do this like weird like videos. Like it's like we watch videos like an infrared. Like they they were trying to use this effect on like every scene they could. As much as they could. <laughs> as much yeah. as they could. So we see that they, they and this wouldn't even go that much anywhere for some reason. Like I think they kind of probably could have cut this part out of the movie. But we get uh, Chris's niece. Okay. And because she was, uh, she's, I guess, I guess his niece is part of some sort of like, some sort of like environmental radical group or something like one of those like political radical groups. Yeah. Right? right. 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 Yeah. And they pick her up for some questioning. Uh, cause that's one of their, their witnesses at this time. And, uh, she's talking about, uh, you know, political stuff. And she's brought into this police room where I don't know if this technology is real, but apparently they have some, they have the, this, they have the interview going on. And there's this infrared camera that they're recording her on. And through this camera, on this effect, they can tell if she's lying or not because her body heat and stuff will go up if she's lying. I don't think this is real. I mean, <laughs> even like, uh, yeah. you know, like, um, uh, 
what do they call that? The test they hook you up to. Even that's yeah. not accepted in in, in, law, in the courts anyway. But um, but yeah. So well, I mean, I, I guess you could see why. I guess I could see why you would think that this could be cut out. But what the point of this scene is that? So she's basically telling them that yeah, it's it was not done by necessarily their organization, but that yeah, the the you know the environmental activist took this guy out because he's a blight on society and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and then they're finding out that she's lying so she's yeah. making that up yeah cuz first like the the detective rebecca we meet rebecca here too she is like the mm-hmm. other detective going to be on this team with Dewey right and she is interviewing the uh, this the, the niece and they want to know about the three murders and at first the niece you know says yes there was a uh, uh, there was an execution supposed to happen with them. But then like, the doc who's monitoring saying, oh, she's lying because I could tell through her body heat and shit. So um, did Neff, uh, um, Rebecca Neff, did she show up because she's investigating the, the uh, environmental terrorists? Yes. So, yeah, they have. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's why they brought yeah. her along. Yes. So they, they have Dewey kind of doing the uh, part of the investigation, too. And they want them to work together. All right. And they, they have yeah. a really strange relationship at the beginning. Like when they meet. All right. It's like, it's like, I think they kind of knew each other, but they didn't. It was weird. All right. Their, their, their whole mm. relationship was kind of weird. All right. So. Yeah. Yes. So. So now we have, uh, we have more negative outside. We're kind of near the Bronx area. The abandoned buildings. We had like this uh, guy. He's getting some drugs to get himself straight. All right. Mm-hmm. He goes into an abandoned building, takes a little bit of drugs, hears some noise, and he eventually gets killed by the wolf. There's negative everywhere. So everybody, take your shot. Okay. So now Rebecca, she's talking to Dewey with. I like my notes here. Rebecca talks to Dewey with some lovemaking music on the background. <laughs> Foreshadowing, brother. Or a shadow. I was about to say that doesn't happen yet, but which is weird um, because I did not expect a sex uh, yeah. angle to happen with these two, but really? apparently it was. Ri- and I was like, okay, this is written by guys. Oh, you, yeah, I knew that was coming from the beginning. I mean, mm. obviously, I'd seen this before, but like years ago. But, um, but I, I, oh, I knew that was coming. Like you know, the older grizzled, you know, detective guy and the young female detective. Yeah. yeah, of course, they were going to end up having sex. Um, but yeah, like the scene where they're sitting in uh, uh, in his office talking and, and drinking the whiskey. Yeah. Like, that was a great scene. So the big thing is, like, Dewey's, like, saying, like, you always think it's a political angle with all these deaths and stuff. He's like, we got to think a little bit different than that because of the way the bodies died. All right? Mm-hmm. And then she reads, oh, here's your sign of guns and, and what does it say? Guns and then uh, made. Well, that's a scene. Yeah, that's a scene where she, he's like, here, take a shot. And he's going to give her yeah. the whiskey. And he pours it in a coffee mug. And then she, he's like, she's like, do you have any ice? He's like, only around my heart. Yeah. Like, yeah, I flirting can totally brother. relate to that, brother. Here you go. Yeah. Cheers to you. Flirting. He had like this, he had this, um, uh, uh, Pro gun sign going on here too. Like this. Yeah, guy's it didn't ready. say like guns, guns, God, and yeah, made something. America or something like that. Yeah, made America. Let's keep all three or something like that. And her big thing is um, like, so have you killed anybody? And he has to like fucking not not say anything. He's like, oh well, you know, I almost killed a rabbit today that got into a hole. What would you call that? And she's like, 
I called that sexual. And I'm just sitting here like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I was a little thrown off by that too. I like, was like, why would she say that? I, I like, think this whole scene is weird though. I knew it was easy to get women in the 80s, brother, but I didn't know if it was this easy. <laughs> All right, you say shit about guns and whiskey and rabbits. This girl gets all hot and wild. Let's go. I think it's weird that another detective would ask him if he'd killed anybody. You know what I mean? Like if she were like a newspaper reporter or something, I I would be like, okay. Well, I guess she's not part of this group, but it's really weird that she would bring that up. Well, I guess I guess she was wondering because I I think the thing was this Dewey guy was supposed to be on a leave of absence. Or something until they called him in for this weird investigation. So yeah, well, she says that she says that wasn't he like yeah um, discharged for like mental reasons or something. Yeah, and then the 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 chief of police or the whatever says the commissioner or whatever says um, he had some family issues, but he's 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 fine now. Um, so like he was like that was like what I was saying earlier. He was like on a leave of absence for some reason, uh, but they don't really tell us why. Yeah. Which I mean, I kind of took from that. Maybe this is part of the four hours that they cut out of the movie, but I'm guessing that he killed somebody and he had to go on a leave of absence. Yeah, or something happened, you know, on his job, and he and he had to go on a leave of absence, and they brought him back because they need him to solve this crime. Yeah, um, very but they Will don't Graham. Really tell us that it's very yeah, Will Graham. They don't very Will Graham, right? Yeah. They don't really explain to us what's going on or why this is happening, um, but. Um, but that's what I got out of it because they don't really explain it. Maybe if we watched the four and a half hour cut, then we would have gotten more out of that. But uh, I don't know. Well, there's a couple angles that they didn't uh, expand upon. We'll talk about. So mm-hmm. then, off then we can see that there's some uh, ten- sexual tension between them now. Dewey offers a ride and she declines. Yeah. I'm saying, oh, playing hard to get. So outside we see more negative, and then this is during the daytime. So the wolves can also come out in daytime too. They're not only of just course. nighttime wolves here, brother. So it's a little different than some of our other werewolves, where they only come out during the full moon. All right. So we see that they're they're starting to break, uh, you know, some ground on because even though Chris died, they they're still doing the gimmick, brother. You know, the stockholders they yeah. still need their cash. Okay. They still need to get paid. So they're they're breaking some ground, but then they find a dead body, that same dead body that got killed earlier. So now Dewey and Rebecca, they go to the Vanderbeer estate and they start looking at all the pictures. And I thought it was really weird when they saw like the uh, elder Vanderbeer and they're yeah. like, oh, he kind of looks like God and he has a bunch of dead presidents in his pocket. I was like, okay, so I was trying to figure out what they meant by that. So, um... So he she says he kind of looks like God. Yeah. And then he says, well he and then he's got with his hands in his pockets. And then he says, well he should have his hands in his pockets. He's got a lot of dead pre- he's got four dead presidents. Yeah. So does that mean so okay, so he's got a lot of money. is he talking about is he talking about money or is he talking about actually like he actually caused like presidents to be assassinated because he says four dead presidents which wouldn't be a lot of money back you know for somebody that rich but um but you know that would be a lot of you know assassinated presidents so i don't know if uh maybe it's both uh that's what he meant i mean it could be both yeah it could be both i mean maybe he means but he it's has, another thing that they don't make clear yeah maybe he means he has the money to kill presidents and he has money to maybe. spend on condos and crazy plus cocaine yeah unless this guy lived a very long time ago which maybe yeah. he did 
there wouldn't have been enough assassinated presidents in yes. his lifetime. That's true. You know what I mean? That wouldn't, I don't think there would have been four. I mean, the guy wasn't alive during Lincoln yeah. and Kennedy, surely, right? It's probably one of those 80s jokes of having money. Maybe. It's something we just don't get now. So the other weird part, which didn't go anywhere, is when they're talking about fucking uh, the wife's, the Vanderbilt's wife's painting, where like these three deformed yeah. heads and shit. They're like, oh, she must have been right. very disturbed and stuff. And I thought that was going to go somewhere, but it didn't go anywhere. Nope. Uh-huh. No, we never talk about it. It's probably in the yeah. three, the two and a half hours that they cut it out. Yeah. So then Dewey, he gets a call, okay, from the uh, the police station saying they found more bodies. And this is when they talk to the uh, the other uh, coroner guy, the medical, the medical examiner, Baldy. All right. Played by mm-hmm. that guy, James what, the, Tolkien. James Tolkien, yeah. Who I recognize right away from Back to the Future, brother. <laughs> okay, a- he was in that. He was also in uh, Masters of the Universe. Yeah, Masters of the Universe. <laughs> Um, he's also he's been in a lot of things, but yeah. he usually plays the uh, angry bald guy. Yes, <laughs> I thought it was great. And then uh, he was—I ex- I didn't. I, I, it took me a while because I didn't. I've always seen him when he's a little older. And seeing him young mm-hmm. was pretty, uh, pretty amazing. And they're talking about how they found a hair on Vanderbilt's wife's body and on this Bronx guy body, and that's what's linking them now. But they can't figure out what the hair is because it's not human. Okay. And then now Dewey and Rebecca, they're going to go investigate the Bronx to see, you know, what's going on over here, if they can find any clues. Because they're kind of figuring out, you know, why would the killer kill somebody in the Bronx and then kill somebody in Manhattan? You know what I mean? It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah. So now they're they're walking around and then they get on this, uh, I guess they're, they're, they're walking, they're talking about their church experiences. Okay. Because they see a bit like this big old abandoned church. They're just talking about going into the church and they're talking about all their church experience. She doesn't like church because she got married in one. And our boy yeah. Dewey doesn't like get, going to church because he got beaten his ass in one. Yeah. Okay. So, makes sense. So, this this scene is, if you all like investigating, this is the scene for you because they walk up the stairs. They walk down the stairs. They walk over here. They walk over here. Okay. It's not that long. It's, I it's a little I, bit long. I could have took a piss and came back and they'd still be in the damn church. Okay? They're, huh. they're, they're walking around the church trying to figure huh. out what's going on. They're investigating. It takes a minute to do that. So, they hear a noise. But you're right. They do walk all over the place. Dewey freaks out a little bit, grabs Rebecca from the stairs. They run out of there because they see some creepy noise and creepy eyes. So, they get on out of there. Well, she she hears a baby. Yeah, a baby, yes. They hear the baby crying. So, yeah, so they're about to leave. And she's like, did you hear that? And he's like, what? I didn't hear it. He's like, it sounds like a baby. That's right. I forgot the baby angle. And um, so... <laughs> So then she's going up the steps and he stays downstairs. And then like when she disappears upstairs, then you see the negative again. And then that's watching her because the wolf and live in the church part yes. partially. We find out. And why, then right? she's walking up. Right. And then she's walking up the steps and she hears the baby again. But when she disappears upstairs, he hears a wolf howl and he pulls his gun and he runs up the steps. One thing I'm not really sure those steps would have supported the weight of anything. Yeah. Um, like, like it's pretty crazy that she would have even walked up those steps. Um, but, um, uh, but in the book, it's a little bit different because she, she hears the baby. What she's actually hearing is the wolves howling or making a howling type sound. She just thinks it sounds like a baby, but in the movie it's implied that she hears a baby, but they don't really explain why. Yeah. Like they don't ever, as far as I remember, they don't really explain why she's hearing a baby. 
So that's like a that's like something from the book that was like not presented very well. But in the book, she just like hears the wolves, but they she thinks it sounds like a baby. So after they so get anyway, out, you're right. He grabs her and they run away. Yeah, they run away and they go to the local bar, the dive bar, mm-hmm. where they just sit. They just sit next to a girl who's passed out, which I thought that was funny. Yeah, that bar is a place called Chumley's, which is no longer there. But I, I'd been there before. It's like a little speakeasy bar. I had had no sign. It just oh. had a door, and you had to know where it was. It was a really cool place. Was there just some random girl passed out on the table that you're sitting by? Usually, yeah. Okay. Usually, yeah. So like That's a dive good. bar. So. They're not really sure what they were seeing. Okay. And I like how first Rebecca's like, oh, I haven't been around here since my younger days at the bar. And then this, she's still on the angle. Like, okay, who did you kill? All right. And then Dewey's like, well, I shot this. When I was a rookie, I shot this guy in the leg. He's like, he, okay. said, he said he shot his. He, well, at first he says I shot. He's like, I shot my, my uh, partner yeah. by accident. And then she keeps pushing, and he says, why don't you just ask me how many I've killed? Yeah, how many, yeah. Which I kind of took that as like, yeah, I've killed a bunch of people. Because he does he does earlier tell her, she asks him why he wants to be a cop, why he wanted to be a cop, and he's like, I like killing people. Yeah, you know, he didn't kill anybody in this movie. Right, he didn't kill anybody in this movie. Huh. Um, but but so I kind of took that as like he's... Um, it must have been a prequel, gotcha. Like he he had killed a bunch of people and or he killed some people and she might as well ask him how many people he's killed. So then we have a bunch of wolf negative everywhere. Yeah, uh, it's on the bridge. It's on it everywhere, brother. Everywhere you look around, Manhattan, New York, it's everywhere. So now Dewey takes uh, Re- uh, uh, Rebecca home, and this is when she hears her cat and there's lightning around here. So the wolves are kind of like on to their trace. Rebecca and Dewey, since they visit the church, the wolves are, you know stalking them a little bit mm-hmm. and then rebecca hears noise off the roof it just her cat scares her so we're doing that horror movies we know where they hear a noise and they get scared by the non-killer right so dewey and rebecca they're talking about um so they're talking to we finally meet our character ferguson okay he is like this uh animal keeper <laughs> Guy. He's a yeah, he's a he's a zoologist. He works yeah. at the Central Park Zoo. And I don't know if it was just me, but he did he came across a little bit crazy. Yes, very crazy. He's very into his work. Uh-huh. He is, and he's carrying around a taxidermied skunk in his hands at yes. all times. And, and he is like they found his hair and he's like, ah, it could be a bear or a cat or something. I'm gonna go look it up. And then mm. he's like, they're saying like, you know, what's this all about and stuff? He's like, well, we believe that this uh, creature's hair might attack people. And eventually he finds what the hair is. It's a, it's basically a, uh, was it a cannabis loop? Cannabis lupus. Cannabis lupus wolf hair. All right. Mm. And then they're talking about like, well, we think this hair might be involved in this murder investigation. It's like, well, it can't be. He's like, you can't be coming at me. With saying that this endangered wolf species is around killing people because they don't do that, and then he goes on right, to say, "Wolves don't kill people." Yeah, the wolves don't kill people. They travel in packs and they're very smart. They don't even do things like to kill and to winnow down their numbers. They're kind of like very, they're kind of so, like Native Americans and stuff. Like you're saying all this stuff. So all of that's oh. true. So yes. wolves don't kill people unless they're fucked with. Yes. Um, and they they don't. He's right. They don't overpopulate. They they only breed to 
the population level that they need. So, which is why, like with coyotes and wolves, if you if you start shooting them and killing them off, they're really hard to get rid of because they'll just breed. If you kill a lot of them, they'll just breed more pups. Yeah. But if they don't, then they don't. But yeah, he's comparing them to Native Americans because they were both basically exterminated at the same time. Yes, there's the yeah the, the big yeah for the slaughter and all that stuff, and they had the yeah. exterminate at the same time. And you know, and then you know, Fergus is basically saying like, no, you probably just got some crazy like you know killer because only only people can kill people. Dewey's like, okay, so you gave me this idea of the Native Americans. I used to know this Native American that I put in jail for all this fraud and murder that he did. All right, this guy's name mm-hmm. is Eddie. So now Eddie he, Holt, Eddie Holt's brother, and he knows Eddie is out. He's been out for like six months now. So now he's like saying, I didn't. The Rebecca's like, well, why would Eddie want to do this? He was out. He's like, well. You know, just because he, you know, served his time and stuff doesn't mean he changed his ways. Maybe him and his tribe want New York back. You know what I yeah, mean? and Eddie Holt is played by a very young Edward James Olmos, yes. who is uh, who is a Latino actor, but I guess in 1981, that's close enough. Yeah, <laughs> close enough, brother. <laughs> okay, come on now. He's got black hair and kind of olive skin. He's That's good enough. Yeah, that's fine. All right, let's do this. So now Dewey goes to talk to Eddie, and I could not do any of this at all. I probably just quit my job because <laughs> Eddie, his big thing is he's he's uh, they built well. So the biggest, I guess, in 1980, I guess Native Americans were known to building skyscrapers. Apparently, apparently. I did not know this, but <laughs> apparently that's true. Well, they're working on the Manhattan Bridge. The bridge, okay, bridge yeah, skyscraper. So yes. <laughs> so in the beginning of the movie, they're standing on top of the uh, Brooklyn Bridge. Which I also like how they explain, I think it's later on in the movie, they explain why they're allowed to do that. Yeah. Um, and they kind of explain it here because they built the bridges, but he just goes up, they say he just goes up there and sits on top of the bridge. Yeah. And he doesn't cause any trouble. They just let him do it. So yeah. that they Meditates, kind of explain yeah. how he's allowed to do that. Um, but yeah, so he has to go climb to the top of this bridge to talk to Eddie Hall, yeah. which I thought was hilarious. The guy's like, you can go see him up there. You can go wait at the bar. And I'd be like, brother, I'll wait at the bar. I'll wait at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> but our boy Dewey's like, I got to hurry this movie he gets up. Done. Dewey's like, listen, brother, they cut my movie down two hours. I got to come up here. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets up there, high as shit up there, and he talks to Eddie. And they kind of, you know, they knew each other because I guess, I guess the arresting officer was Dewey. And Eddie's yeah, bringing up the whole, the whole sh- uh, shapeshifter angle. Yeah. About how, like, well, you know. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie says uh, they're all shapeshifters and he can become, like, an eagle if he wants to and yeah. all he has to do is Think he's like it's it. all in your mind all you have to do is uh jump and flap your arms or whatever yeah and then he kind of implies that they're going to jump off the bridge together yeah to become eagles but then he doesn't because it's a joke haha <laughs> yeah and then he's all saying like it's like you know you know what's this it's, it's all in your head and stuff and it's, it's up to you to they pay you to figure out who's doing all these murders and stuff mm-hmm so now we had the uh, Whippleton. He is now talking about. He's all talking about how he found. Um, he, he found some new evidence of how these uh, these bodies were. He thinks all these bodies are being eaten now. So he's saying like they he found like this this scar on on some of the bodies that look like teeth marks, and he's saying like a lot of these victims that he's that he saw like a lot of them have like a a bad liver, you know, some bad organs to them. And those were fine, but then other ones were gone, missing. So mm-hmm. somehow this creature knew which 
um, organs were were diseased or not, and he was kind of curious about that because he said like it was taking him like almost like 24 hours just to figure out, you know, that, that these organs were bad compared to this person who, you know, this thing that killed them knew right away, and he's all like saying like you know thousands of people go missing every day too, and they can't find a trace of them. So he's thinking whoever this murderer is, they're actually eating the people, like cannibals. Yeah. So what he's saying is that he. That it took him, what did he say? He took him 24 hours to find out that he, that this guy had a disease. Yeah. But this thing, whatever killed him, knew instantly. Yeah. So, like, something's like really in tune with, you know, yeah. whatever they're doing. And then Ferguson walks in saying, ah, oh, just apex predators out here. All right. All right. And then they start, uh, Ferguson and, and Whitmerton, they start going back and forth with each other, uh, friendly conversations. And this is when Dewey brings up shape shifting. All right, mm-hmm. and there, and then of course Ferguson goes on this whole thing, this whole like, he's like, yeah, you know, the body's just a body, you know, it's really just your soul that can do everything. <laughs> and then Wimbledon's kind of mm-hmm. like just playing it off like now, that that's not happening here. So now we have Dewey. He's following Eddie and his crew. After they get done with their local Native American bar, they see a full moon. Uh, the older in- the Native American gives him a necklace. And I like my notes on here. Dewey watches Eddie get butt-ass naked on the beach. And sees him <laughs> semi-transfer into a wolf naked. Well, okay. So, yes. So, okay. I had a question about this, too. Yeah. So, I couldn't... Is Does he just follow them? Yeah. Or do they know he's there? Oh, well, he's following them, but I am pretty sure they knew he was following them. Okay. Because, like... Because it's kind of just... Like, it kind of shows them, like... The way it's cut, it looks like they're just all together, you know, and he's going to go, we'll show you what the shape shifting is like. But I, but you're right. I think that they followed him or he followed them, yeah. but they know he's there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Eddie basically takes peyote or something and he becomes like, well, he fucks with them basically. Yeah. Like, he, he, yeah. He, uh, like Eddie knew he was there. So now he stripped down naked and to prove his point, his joke, all right, to Dewey. Mm-hmm. So he, he stripped down naked, starts sipping the water, acting like a wolf, jumping to him, and looks at him doing. Says, "Hey man, it's all in your head." All right. While this is happening, yes. the real wolves are at Ferguson's zoo area. So we have negative all around the zoo area. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Ferguson is watching uh, how fast these wolves go and and how they see in infrared and stuff on the video camera. All right. Yeah, he's watching a fi- well. He's watching a film about wolves being killed. Yes, and we see all that. Yeah, on the video camera, it's pretty crazy. All right, and then he hears a noise. All right, he calls uh, the fire station, saying he wants to report a fire where he's at. All right, and mm-hmm. he they said like get over here right now. It tells him where it's at, and he said his name is Peter Wolfen. Oh, okay, interesting. Yes, so then he drives off because I guess he's trying to do this because of the sirens. He's seeing if the wolves were following him or not. Okay. And while this is happening, uh, our boy Dewey, uh, he wakes up from his house. He goes into his car, sleeps in his car, and he dreams about wolves and a naked Eddie. Allison, are you going to, after this review, are you going to have a, a cup of tea, relax a little bit, and then go to your car and sleep 
and re- remind yourself about this wolfen style creature and a naked Eddie? Most likely not. Okay. Well, I mean, I may we'll have a drink and sleep in my car, but I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dream about a naked Eddie. Okay. Well, boy, Dewey was, and I guess I turned him on because he wakes up. All right, he goes inside a uh, Rebecca's apartment randomly, just runs into his apartment, her apartment, has a gun. She sees him with a gun, doesn't say anything like, hey, why are you here with the gun and shit, you crazy maniac? No, she just looks at him. He looks around no, no, all no, the no, corners. No. Go ahead. That's not what happened. So so he is, he's sitting outside her apartment yeah. because he's like watching over her, I guess. Yes. Because, um, he's, yes. But then he hears the wolves howl. Yes. That or is that in up. his dream? Yeah. Well, it could have been in his dream. Howl, and yeah. then he pulls his gun and then he runs into her apartment. Now, you're right. She doesn't, like, ask why he's there or anything like that. He just, like, well, she lets him in, doesn't she? Yeah. Well, no. He just comes right in. No, because, well, wait a minute. He stops at the uh, door. Because in New York City, you can't you can't just walk into an apartment building. They She has to buzz him in. Okay. So he stops at the door. So I think she knew he was there and she let him into the building. Um, but then sometimes like you can, um, you can just hit a button and, and if the thing buzzes, like whoever's living in that apartment will let, will open the door. They yeah. just have to hit a button and the door unlocks. So sometimes if somebody's expecting somebody, you can just hit a random button and then the person that lives there will just let you in. Yeah. Uh, but I think she let him in and then he runs into her apartment because he thinks the wolf in her there. Yes. And the wolf and they are outside. Because we do get some negatives yeah. and stuff. And then she asks, like, what is it? What is it? Dewey doesn't say anything. He just sits on the chair, puts his gun down, starts staring at her. They start at each other. Keep staring, keep staring. We cut outside. And the next thing we know, in negative, brother, <laughs> these two start having mm-hmm. some sex. Yeah. Well, the wolves are, the wolf and are watching them have sex. Yes. And uh, there's some weird sex noises going on here, too. This right. also makes more sense in the book because they can, uh, in the book, like I was saying, they can climb buildings, but they don't really explain to you. Like once you see what the wolves look like, it's it's really hard to understand how they were able to get the angle that they're getting. Yeah. Like how did they get up there? Flying, brother. That's how. <laughs> All right. Well, we could see that they they can kind of disappear and vanish too. So. That's true. You're right. That's true. Maybe they teleport. So the next morning, Dewey, he he doesn't cuddle. He doesn't do all that stuff. He just leaves after uh, mm-hmm. g- giving her some of the, uh, giving, some, giving some of her the Dewey. All right? Yeah. So I love to see him. So he goes outside and he sees like this random guy struggling to get on a bike. <laughs> yes. This thing was so funny. It was like just so random. <laughs> all right. And then uh, mm-hmm. Dewey, he's now, he, he meets uh, uh Whitmanton, all right, and they're they're trying to like you know investigate more about this hair, and he talks about Ferguson. Uh, Whitmanton talks about Ferguson not coming home, so now Dewey's like, okay, well, should we investigate him? Maybe he was the one that killed these people, and he's like, no, Ferguson would never do that. I've known him for years, so they're kind of like still kind of lost of who the actual subject you know could be. And they also have all these uh, pictures and stuff that they found of a wolf creature that might be their new thing. Like they can't believe it yet, you know. But they have like this evidence where it could actually be a wolf creature. But they're just kind of like undecisive if this is like true or not. Right. Um. So, 
So now we see a, a clip during this too where the the it looked like the the uh, Chris's you know Ferguson's um, team found a subject uh, a, a sub uh, like a suspect. Okay, it, and it looked like they found like this terrorist group because this this suspect was saying stuff like you know kind of like they 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 took credit to killing the Chris guy. So now they, they now yes. the call captain needs to tell doing all of them like you know they about this theory that they have. They, they the captain was like, okay, we got this person and we need to let them know right away. All right. Yeah, he's a he's a member of a terrorist organization called the Gotter Damarung. Yeah. So the big thing about this one is the uh, uh, Dewey and Wilmington. They are in the their Dewey's office. And they're about to go investigate the church to see if they can find that wolf creature that the Dewey saw like a couple scenes back. And uh, Wimbledon's making all these jokes about how brave he's going to be or something. And the chief comes in here and they're kind of like debating like how to present this to the chief. Because they want to find some evidence first before they, they, they talk to the chief about this. So, But they don't really tell him like too much what's going on. So they go out to the church, and they're kind of like doing a stakeout around the church. And of course, uh, Wilmington—he's just—he's just a big jokester, you know. Burps into burps into the fucking uh, radio, and he flashes him on the camera. Full mm-hmm. moon, brother. Yeah. And then Dewey hears the wolf noises, so he starts to investigate more of the church. Like he, there at first they were kind of just having cameras and the uh, infrared sniper guns on the church, but he heard noises, so he actually goes into the church. But it so happens that the wolf and dog, okay, was uh, right above uh, Wimbledon, and that the dog attacks Wimbledon and takes him down. Yep. And this is actually the first time we actually see that this creature is an actual wolf. It's no like man wolf. It's no creature wolf. It's no wolf thing from the thing. No, it's just a basic regular wolf with yeah, negative. I think eyes. it's really big. It's supposed to be really big. Big but one. Yeah, yes. That's just- Maybe a larger wolf, but yeah, it looks like a regular wolf. Yes. And then, of course, Dewey tries to go help out, but he was too late. All right. And then this is when we have another scene where that terrorist group gets attacked, okay, by the whole police mega force, military force. And they're trying to figure out when they're going to present this news to the press. Okay. Because they, so basically, all the cops, everything, they decided that it's um, this group. For like two reasons. Number one, they 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 actually put a hit out, or they they were trying to kill the Vanderberg, and they this clan was also known to wear like wolf's fur and stuff too. So that's how the the two matched up with this group. But our boy Dewey is a little smarter. He goes to the Native American bar. All right. Yeah. After he's been attacked, and he tried to save his friend. And he goes there and he starts talking to the uh, to the Native Americans Eddie's group, mm. and boy, these guys were talking a million hours, a million miles an hour, right <laughs> for a no taker. All right, and they were talking about yes. Uh, see, the thing is, you're thinking about us all wrong. They, these creatures are they're called woofins. All right, yeah. they've been here way before your gods. Okay, and they think they think you're the slaughter person you know they think you're the 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 bad ones you know these 
they were running for these tribes for millions of years. They have no cops in their in their tribe in their society. They have no lawyers and stuff. They're just a group of hunters. And if you disturb their hunting ground, you know they they you know, that's their biggest threat to them. And these ones that yes, they were extinguished a long time ago during the slaughter. But these smart these these smart ones lived underground. They've been living underground in a certain areas for years. All right. Yeah. And they don't they don't go by your rules. They have their own rules and their own society. All right. And yeah. they prey on so you. This is, yes. Right. So this is where we first figure out that. So it's almost like a like a H.P. Lovecraft kind of thing, where like these these wolves have been around. They're basically gods. Yeah. I think he does say that, doesn't he? He says they're basically gods. Yeah. And he's like they've been, or he said they might be gods, and um, they've been around longer than humans and they will be around when humans are gone because they see humans as like um you know a force that's like destroying the world and basically they're re- they're reclaiming their hunting grounds which are now being taken over by Vanderveer and his rich cronies who want to build condos yes and going to kill everyone that does that and they're probably not wrong and that's why they're uh, that's why they've been attacking these guys that's the angle because yeah. they're trying to take over their hunting and, and living grounds and i was from this point on i was immediately on the side of the wolfen there you go brother on the side so then the other guy's like oh don't worry about it. it's all native american jibe and then they all make bird sounds for some reason <laughs> <laughs> which i'm guessing is like their way of making fun of him but i, I don't know why yeah. they're making bird sounds well maybe their tribe but maybe they're all actual birds Maybe, you know I mean? maybe they're maybe birds. maybe maybe Eddie and his crew are the shapeshifters that he was talking about, but the wolfins and the shapeshifters are different. See, we could have we could have done a whole TV show about this one, man. Next angle, yeah. Eddie and the shapeshifters, right? And then uh, so Dewey is now he goes to um, he go he he he's in the Vanderberg office now, and he's staring at a bunch of mirrors. All right, there's like glass and mirrors everywhere. Yeah, and he's uh, he, he just says he keeps like repeating what the the, the Native American guys were telling him, like family of hunters, or, uh, hunting grounds and stuff, you know. Right. And then he uh, then he's like, oh wait, I got an idea. So he watches a video of the Vanderberg construction of how they're gonna take this area and build condos on top of it. And he just watches the video, and he just they somebody throws some fur on him. All right. And, you know, because he realized, okay, that that idea of them trying to protect their killing ground is true. And he -hmm. gets some fur thrown on him. Rebecca and the chief saying, like, hey, we found your wolf right here. And they're like, what? He's like, what? He's like, yeah, it was actually this terrorist group. All right. Uh, Right. Yeah. And they, uh, it was this terrorist group. What? go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah. So that's their explanation of why they can find wolf fur or wolf hairs because it came from that. That thing. I also yeah. thought this was interesting because he's watching. Um, he's watching it on uh, one of the first projection televisions. Yeah, that. Th- yeah, that like little. Yeah, yeah what, that's what those three the lights were: the red, uh, yeah. the red, the blue, and the green lights. And it projected on a wall or on a screen or whatever. Yeah, uh, that was like the first projection television, the first big screen TV. Yeah. So after like you know Dewey's basically at this time like cause, you know he's upset because his uh, you know his friend that corner guy died and. He was like, he just found out this news about this secret wolfing organization of wolves that's godlike creatures. 
and he's like putting all the pieces together but then they're telling him like, oh yeah just this terrorist group that was like had like the wolf as their main uh mascot i guess and um they're leaving and we can see that all the wolves are kind of going outside cornering them all so they corner the chief that rebecca and uh dewey at the same time they're all looking to him there's negative everywhere and we see all the wolves come out but then we see i guess the pack leader is the white wolf it's like the pack leader and the chief yes goes to run away even though dewey tell him to don't 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 do that and so the wolves are attacking him they chop off his arm he goes into the to the cop car he tries to call his uh for for more backup but then there's a wolf in the car kind of remind me in some, the car it's they amazing kind of, kind of remind me of some Jurassic park scene or something yeah and then the wolf, like, they they, they, uh, they attack the chief, and then they chop the chief's head off. And it's crazy. When you see his head, you can actually see his eyes and his mouth moving. Because that's the same thing yep, they were talking about like, earlier in the film. Right, yeah. right. It brought it back to the beginning, where yeah. you can see his you can see his eyes moving and his mouth moving. Because yeah. he's he's one of the ones that the, they decapitated him, and his head still moves. Yeah. So then the car, didn't like, do we know, right? They just shoot the car, and it blows up and shit, like some sort of action movie. And then they, I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> like are they? So I can't. So at this point, you can kind of figure out that Dewey is starting to become on the side of the wolves. Yeah, he's not really trying to investigate them anymore. He's like kind of on the side of the wolves now. And um, so did he blow the car up so that that the cop the the chief's body would be burned and and they wouldn't investigate it or was he actually trying to shoot at the wolves? Cause it just seems like a really weird scene. In a well, I'm guessing he was just trying to shoot at the wolves at this time because okay. the, he thought like, okay, if they're going to attack him for being an idiot, the chief, they're all going to, you know, they need to find a way to escape because they, they do that. <clears throat> they blow up the car. Then they go to back to the uh, Vanderbilt building mm-hmm. and they shoot the glass, which I don't know why you need to do that. I thought the door was already open. Maybe it locked behind them. And he shoots the glass like three times. Yeah, because weren't they just in the building? Yeah, they were just in the building. Uh (laughs) Right. Maybe it locked behind them. I don't know. All right. So then they get up there. They go on the top floor. So I guess, you know, they were worried about the wolves killing them. You know what I mean? So there's also that weird scene where the elevator door won't close, but nothing happens. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like something was cut out there. Because, like, they never show you. So the elevator door starts to close and it opens back up. And they never explain why it wouldn't close. And then he hits the close button and it closes and they just go to the top. Like why that scene could have been completely cut out and it would have made no difference. Yeah. So they're up there on the top now and he's um, kind of washing Rebecca off a little bit from the blood. Uh, the old ambulance and, and um, the cops show up. They put out the uh, cops, uh, the cheap's cars fire. Yeah. And they're just kind of like laying around at the... Um, uh, at the uh, the top top floor, and they uh, Rebecca eventually sees a wolf coming through all the uh, glass, the mirror glass, and it breaks into the uh, the suite. It breaks into the yeah, suite. Yeah, jumps to the window. Yeah, it jumps to the window. Uh, Dewey has his gun. He's gonna shoot it, but then he puts the gun down and kind of like you know does the whole surrender. Yeah. So that's, you know, so now he's like fully on the wolf side. Like he yeah. understands where they're coming from. He's like, look, you know, I understand what you're trying to do. You know, I'm not here to yeah. try to exterminate you. And We're then on the same side. And then he goes to the model, that uh, condo model 
that Chris mm-hmm. had uh, made. And he takes the shovel and he breaks the model to show the walls, yeah, hey, it. I'm going to break this model. So while me doing that, they're not going to break ground anymore. there anymore, which is a complete farce because I'm pretty sure that didn't do anything. And I'm pretty sure they still broke that ground and put those condos there anyway. Yeah, I don't know how... Uh... I don't know how that would have stopped them from uh, breaking ground on the condos, but yes. at least it showed the 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 wolves got the idea that okay, he's like, they're he's on our side. Yeah, now. at least De- at least Dewey's on our yeah. side. <laughs> at least Dewey's on our side. Yeah. So then the cops come in, and then um, it was weird. I, I didn't really get the scene. So like the wolves are about to disappear, but then the cops come in and shoot something, and I thought they were shooting at Rebecca and and Dewey, but they weren't. I guess they saw the wolf in there or something. Yeah, I think they were shooting at a disappearing wolf. Yeah. Um, because, like, so the, he breaks the model, and then instead of growling, the wolves all howl at the same time and then disappear. Yeah. And then right as they're disappearing, the cops break into the door, through the door, and then shoot and shoot at something, and he says, no, don't shoot, don't shoot. Yeah. Uh, and then, but I'm, I'm guessing that he saw, like, a wolf disappearing and thought maybe it was one of those God or Dumber Run guys and was shooting at it, but... uh you know, the, the wolves are all disappeared and gone at that point. Yeah, because the police guys were like, hey, what happened here? And I could barely hear what Dewey was saying because it sounded like he mumbled. But the way mm-hmm. I got out of it was saying, oh, it was just terrorists. The terrorists were coming yeah. here. So Yeah, so he basically says that uh, that they were right. It was terrorists the whole time. Yeah. So then we see this like negative scene of wolves running everywhere, and we have our boy Dewey doing his best closing of an X Files episode. All mm-hmm. right, talking about these wolves. You know they've been here forever, and if you go onto their land, they'll prey you, and they they just like humans prey, they prey on us as well. Yeah, because they're because they're he's kind of saying that um, humans think they're at the top of the food chain, but they're not. Yes. These wolfen are. And then we get a scene of Eddie hanging out on the bridge. Wild wolves mm-hmm. are howling, and we have a negative there. And then we go to the credits. That ends the the woofing. So yeah, I mean, a whole lot of stuff happened in this movie. That's for sure. And yeah, there yeah. was a lot of angles that I don't think they they explored. But I thought it was a pretty good movie overall. Yeah, I mean, I like this movie a lot. I mean, it's not the best movie ever made, but I mean, I think it's a good movie, and I like the concept behind it of how like. I mean, it, th- this movie is ta- kind of tailor-made for somebody like me because, like, I kind of also agree with the wolves that human beings are basically like a virus on this planet and they would be better off if, if all humans were eliminated. I'm all for, like, the nature retaking uh, man-made things. So, like, I'm totally for that. So, like, the more the more encroaching wilderness and and, and, and wild things that we have, the more I'm for that. Yeah, because that um, so, was uh, yeah. one of Eddie's lines, too. Is like, yeah, your technology didn't do anything for you. Exactly. Yeah, your technology is worthless. And, and, yeah. and then he's right because, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, like, you forget when you're not, when you live in a city every day, you forget what it's really like. And when you're out in the middle of nowhere and you don't have cell phone service, like, it's a completely different feeling. Yeah. It's a, and people, a lot, most people don't ever experience that. But, like, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, like you, you do not feel like you're in control anymore. And, you know, and that's what Eddie's saying is like, you're, you think you're in control of this, but you're really not this, this thing is more powerful than you are. And, uh, Eddie's right. Um, and 
you know, so that kind of thing is tailor made for somebody like me because like I, I have those sentiments myself. Like, you know, I, I really would wish, you know, the wild would overtake all man-made things. Plus it, it's also a huge problem now as it was in 1981 where just rich people are just buying up property and building more hotels and condos. Yeah. Can you believe that? Like that has not changed. <laughs> that, no, that's, it's worse now than it was then. Yeah. It's crazy. Like some things, uh, some things change, but then some things always stay the same. Right. Especially where we live, like any, any amount, anything, any area in town that used to, that has something old in it. Like somebody will buy it and tear it down and build expensive condos or an expensive hotel. On it. Yep. All the time. There's a bunch of Vanderbergs out there all the time. Yep. So, but yeah, everybody, that's been our uh, Wolfen review. Hope you all enjoyed it. We are continuing the 1980s werewolf movies. Uh, we'll probably have to do this theme again because, like I said, there's a shit ton of them on there. Oh, yeah, we definitely will again. So, but yeah, this one's a pretty fun. But I think the one next week should be very interesting because we're probably going to be reviewing one of the most popular wolf werewolf movies of all time, I would say. The... Um, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. The American Werewolf in London. Yeah, it's a classic. Right. We waited to the end on this one because yes. it is such a classic. Yeah, very classic movie. Uh, like I said, probably one of the most recognized werewolf stories of all time. And I actually never seen this movie, so it's going to be very... Like, I know about I it, but I just never that. seen it. I know, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I can't never believe you've never seen that. <laughs> it's going to be pretty fun. Like, I know a little bit about it. Like, I know, you know... I know a little bit about it, but I don't know the full story. So that should be very fun next week. We'll talk all about that. And we're going to be staying in the 1981 timeline too, because that's when that movie got released. So that should be fun. And then of course, um, you know, so by this time too, we are going to be releasing our, our lights out review also too, on the brand new Eli Roth directed Thanksgiving movie. Yeah. It's a long time coming on this movie. So pretty fun. We've I can't first- wait. Saw the trailer in 2007, I believe. Damn, okay. Very long. <laughs> yeah, because it was part of Grindhouse. Yeah. And it was a fake trailer for Grindhouse, and this is like one of the last movies to be made for it. Nice. That's wild. Yeah, it should be pretty fun. I always like those slasher ones, so I always like my themed horror movies, so that should be a fun one. And of course, we'll round out this month on the 26th, talking about American Werewolf in London, and then we'll give you all of our Christmas holiday Horror movie special reviews coming on for the month of December, which I can't wait for. So, yes, so uh, it's a special time for us, always, brother. But everybody, what should we play from the uh, Blue Oyster Cult there, Allison? So you know, I think considering that they burned the chief's car and that the Bronx was completely burned out in this movie, I think we should play uh, "Burning for You." Oh, "Burning for You," brother, because you're right. They done burned the chief's car. Okay, yep. they, they completely destroyed the Browns. Yep. Okay, and our boy uh, Dewey got burnt Ooh. by Rebecca too. He did not giving her a second piece of ass. Mm. All right, or maybe, or maybe she did. I don't know. We didn't get the sequel, so I don't know. Yeah, right. I never know. There's no maybe wolf in the, too. Right. Maybe it's in the four and a half hour cut. Who knows? Yeah, it could be. But everybody, James Klein, Jay Allison, we will see you here all next time. See you guys.